Okay. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so one very interesting thing that caught my eye recently was that a New York University study came out um, and it found that the majority of Black borrowers um, who received aid from the $800 billion relief program um, during COVID-19, when there was a lot of funding for small businesses um, to help mitigate some of the financial damage that was happening, um, a lot of the majority of these Black borrowers um, were actually able to get loans from fintech companies um, and companies using algorithms and automation and technology as opposed to banks. And this was really interesting because one thing that has severely plagued, I think, algorithms and technology as they've sort of interacted with society and, and humans is, is the bias that unfortunately they tend to perpetuate. And it's no longer really a secret why these biases are perpetuated. I think one of the main reasons is that the data used to train these algorithms uh, is often biased data. But I think what was really interesting about this article is that it shows sort of a successful use of automation and algorithms in a way that doesn't discriminate and actually was able to amplify and help black borrowers and the community that's often often has trouble getting loans and actually did have trouble getting loans during COVID during this relief from small banks. Um, but this research found that uh, fintech companies were able to um, uh, help these communities. Yeah, it's it's a really stark example of something that I think you're right is is, is getting more and more attention, which is just the bias that these machines are meant to help overcome, and then also the ones that they can't help but sometimes perpetuate if they're not properly um, trained. And in this case, yeah, it's 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 a it, the reason I think it's such a good example is because clearly part of what was biasing the decision um, to not award loans to more black owned businesses was not actually any particular piece of data that was being consumed by the models, presumably, right? Uh, that, that, that those biases were, were appearing in sort of the non-digitized parts of the experience, you know, where a human was looking at someone or otherwise somehow knew their race and um, and was letting that consciously or otherwise, probably more often than not, you know, unconsciously or, or subconsciously, um, influence the decision they were making. But that that subtle interaction, those subtle opportunities, were not represented apparently in the data that the machine was trained on. So to the machine, the machine is ignorant of whatever those things are, and was instead approving the loans and it seems like it comes in, it's like a pretty big difference from a situation where maybe we're trying to decide how to award a loan and we're training a model based upon who has been awarded a loan in the past and who has been able to successfully repay that loan and secure the loan originally. Like that you could see as totally perpetuating uh, those same biases because all it knows is the the past award uh, awardees and and those were sort of tainted by the bias and so that bias gets learned but in this case i think i, I don't know this space super well but i think because there are so many regulations about how financial institutions award loans that they're that i assume then the model the, the model that these fintech companies were using 
were not necessarily backwards looking. They were just trying to look at sort of the other factors of someone's application. And they weren't trying to learn from sort of past uh, uh, application awards uh, in order to influence the decision. But in any event, yes, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very interesting example. Yeah, and it's also, I think, one of my favorite quotes from the article um, is one of the researchers, she writes, the human brain is a much scarier black box than any machine learning algorithm. And I kind of love that because so often we talk about these machine learning black boxes and how we can't quite figure them out. Um, but we really struggle to figure humans out. And yeah. I mean, when we think about bias and how it's embedded in our communities, it takes generations to, you know, remove certain cultural mindset. And with algorithms, with technology, it's not really like that. You know, right. once you figure out the problem, you can fix it and much more quickly. And so I think that that's sort of one hopeful thing that I kind of got out of this article. Oh yeah. I mean, and I think it's no small thing. Like I am talk about bias, like very bullish on the future of machine learning. And so my inclination is to see exactly uh, in some way, exactly the way that you just described the, the opportunity in this. Like I have absolutely no doubt that there's lots of room for bad models and bad algorithms that are tainted by bad human instincts or biases or any number of other sort of problematic things. But, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're say, don't let the enemy to be the perfect of the good, right? Like the, the human <laughs> is usually much more valuable uh, in, in, this, in those, in any number of ways, bias and otherwise than the machine is a and B to your point and to this researcher's point, um, those things are so much more readily correctable in a machine than they are in a person so that you, you kind of get the benefit of both. You get the lower likelihood of sort of underlying human level bias that's that, you know, like, like in the case of these black uh, owned businesses, uh, borrowers. And then you also have the benefit of, well, once a problem is detected and we can agree there's a problem you know, more or less we can, we can move forward on sort of correcting that problem exactly in a way that is just totally, totally not comparable to, to sort of fixing quote unquote, you know, the biases that may exist in like a banker's mind somewhere. I think that when people see, when people in the technology community read articles um, that are very critical of algorithms and, and recognize and, and identify algorithms for being biased, I think even myself, I think my first reaction is I get defensive. Uh, but I think what's so great about the society that we live in and the journalism that exists here is that it sheds light on bias that does exist in these algorithms. And then we can fix that and we can make algorithms better because we're seeing that we're using them more and more uh, as time goes on and in almost every facet of life. So it's not as if these algorithms are going to stop existing, um, but we can improve them and make them less biased. And so I wanted to actually go over a couple ways that we can make algorithms less biased. Um, and one of the most important things is just to make sure that the data that these algorithms are trained on is not biased. Um, and I think one instance that sort of highlights the importance of this is actually a project that Amazon ran at one point uh, where they tried to create a tool in 2015 that um, assessed the likely success of an applicant given their resume. And Amazon used historical data um, that was mainly made up of the people that were 
historically in their company, which were predominantly men. And then they tried to use this data to create a predictive model um, that sort of predicted given a resume, um, how successful that future candidate would be. But the future candidates were men and women. So when women, for example, would put colleges that were um, you know, women only colleges, None of those were in the, the training data or very few were in the training data because it was predominantly men or when women would write that they were part of like women's soccer teams. Those were also sort of like demoted within the model. So I think when we see articles and we see information about biased algorithms, it's definitely discouraging. And there are really serious repercussions that come from models that are used in, in wide scale um, but it's not as if we don't have control in sort of fixing those in the future. And so I think understanding what humans can do to intervene and improve these algorithms um, is really important. Yeah. And, um, and I would imagine that like in that in Amazon case and in others, like trying to figure out what bias is there so that you can figure out, is there like more data that they need, that the, the model needs to be exposed to? Like in this case, is there, is there, is there some way that we need to expose the model to understanding a broader spectrum of like quality applicant or like, you know, like ideal candidate type or something like that. And then alternatively, I suppose, like, I guess, and, or you could imagine solving that problem by, by taking away data, right. By saying like, we're actually, we are only concerned with certain inputs because other ones we're just we want to take the stand that these things don't matter to us, right? And so like, even if they have an influence on the way the model is thinking about it, we like want to put guardrails around that, which I actually leads me to sort of a third thing, which is just the relationship between like machine learning solution and non-machine learning, so like rules-based solution. You know, I have heard experts talk about this in the past in a way that I think is pretty thoughtful, which is that you really in the real world don't want to have just one or the other, right? You want them in, in an ideal situation working together. So it's like, if it's super important to a company, for instance, that they have a certain distribution of, um, well, actually, I think the example I heard that was like really easy to understand was like, like content moderation, right? So like, if I want the model to, you know, try and guess when something is like offensive or problematic, and I want it to censor it in some way or take it down, that's great. The model can do that. But like, there also may be like certain just like keywords that I don't really care if the model is predicting that they're being used in an offensive way, I don't want to see them on my platform. You know, I, as a company, I'm offended enough by that word that there's like no application of it that I want the model to find permissive. So I can create a filter. I can create a backstop. I can create a rule that is paired with the machine learning model so that I can, you know, achieve some sort of, because, because in the real world, there are some instances where there are just actual hard and fast rules. <laughs> and so, um, or at least you may want to reinforce hard and fast rules. Um, and so, yeah, it just seems like, a, like this is a, like a, a good opportunity to think about that as in the context of bias. Yeah. And the last thing that I sort of wanted to point out in this context was that we also have to think about bias that exists when potentially a fair algorithm meets a biased person. So for example, if you use an algorithm to create a risk assessment for prison inmates, and that risk assessment says, you know, X person is this likely to create a violent crime again. Okay, that's a score. And that's given to a judge or, or you know, a parole officer or someone in a position of power. Um, what does that person do with those results? And so one thing that you can do is kind of 
test the combination of an algorithm and a person and make sure that the ultimate outcome isn't biased. Um, and then if it is, sort of make changes from there. And I think that while this article, while this study out of NYU was really promising to me and made me hopeful, we also have to recognize that human intervention in the solution is, human intervention is a big part of the solution. And so if humans are biased, if we don't take the time to reflect on our own personal biases and what we bring to the technology, we're going to build that in accidentally. So I think that it is really important for people to sort of recognize their own biases that they might bring, just to make sure that they're aware that if they see patterns, that they're able to identify them. Um, because humans will always, I think, be at least marginally part of this process, or at least for the time being. Yeah, and I think something else that you mentioned, which I think is really key, is like being attentive to what the outcome is and seeing if the outcome sort of like passes the the smell test, like just like like passes your gut check on like, does this seem likely fair? Like, and and whether it's a and I think you're right. The only way for you to even begin to to pass that kind of judgment is a to care enough about like some to care enough about protecting against bias to be asking the question to begin with <laughs> and B to have a then with like where are the ways in which these biases that I may hold or that the system may be perpetuating could manifest themselves and then upon asking and then by just bringing to the table that kind of inquiry no doubt you will find ways to make improvements and make changes and it seems like that's the kind of thing for which if you actually care about it, you will always be in pursuit because it's not like there's like a end perfection state, right? So like, so it's really just a matter of, are we baking in the human muscle memory and the desire like culturally and institutionally, wherever the setting may be in this case in banks and in the regulatory, you know, financial regulatory industries, um, like, are we baking in an inquisitiveness about fairness that would, that would lead someone to, to, to ask the right questions? Because if you are just looking at the results, like if you're just saying like, we have a, um, uh, you know, like we have a, an elementary school and all the kids are coming and learning the same stuff every day, theoretically, they're all going to the same school every day. They all live in the same neighborhood more or less every day. And like our black students are dramatically underperforming our white students year after year after year you know, whether that like is just, a, you know, asking the question about why is the first step and figuring out like, does that seem like a likely outcome in a totally, you know, race neutral world? <laughs> is that likely to happen just by chance, just by roll of the dice? I mean, and, and I think that, you know, the same thing is true here. Like if Amazon is hiring people and they're just all men, you know, like they're just consistently disproportionately men at some rate that is far exceeds, you know, like men in the population and maybe even men in like higher education or whatever other pool they're drawing on. You've got to take a step back and you just got to ask, like, does that seem likely to happen by chance? Does that seem right? What could possibly be causing that? Whether it's human bias, machine bias, or both, or either both, like, you know, I think you're right. You just have to build some intuition around caring <laughs> to find out first. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I think that this also kind of reinforces the importance of informing the broader 
broader society about algorithms, about technology, because I think that more and more these algorithms are interfacing with people who are not really familiar with them. And so when they get sort of a result, when they get an output, they're out like, oh, this is from the algorithm, it's fact. And we have to be more informed and say, okay, what were the, the elements that went into it? What was the data? I mean, I don't think it's super complex, but it's also something I really didn't know about, you know, a year ago. So it is even just like the basics can help people feel more empowered to engage with these algorithms. Totally agree. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, It sounds like really interesting. And I, I actually had seen this research paper covered somewhere in the news recently. So I know it's getting some attention. And uh, it's exciting to see that, you know, at least in this instance, uh, it appears as if uh, machine learning w- was able to, uh, to, to sort of uh, mitigate bias, uh, human bias, as opposed to exacerbate. Hopefully we see more of that. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Have a good rest of the day, Andrew. All right. Thanks. You too.